Our scripture reading this morning comes from 2 Kings chapter 6, and we're looking at verses 8 through 17. We have been uh, following together uh, the prophet Elijah and the prophet Elisha, and now we come to the very end of this cycle. Um, uh, Elisha is now an old man. Uh, he has been a um, prophet in, uh, in Israel, and uh, we are picking up with his story during a, uh, a time of, of war in ancient Israel. Um, Israel is at war um, with, uh, with the kingdom of Aram, which is in modern-day Syria, and that's all the setup I can think of, so uh, boo. 2 Kings, the 6th chapter, verses 8 through 17. Hear now the word of our Lord. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such, such, and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel. Beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord the king, said one of the officers. But Elisha the prophet, who is in Israel, told the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early in the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. This is the word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this evening by the power of his Holy Spirit. So I read an article once about, um, about uh, refugees from Cambodia settling here in the U.S. in the um, er, uh, late 70s, early 80s, um, shortly after the Vietnam War. And uh, these refugees were, um, were fleeing the dictatorship of Pol Pot. And, um, and as uh, sort of the humanitarian workers were uh, helping them get settled, uh, they started noticing that, um, that among these refugees, there were a lot of blind women, um, more than in uh, the usual population, there were cases of, uh, of female blindness. And, uh, and so at first they were alarmed that maybe it was, it was some new viral strain, uh, but uh, 
they brought in these doctors uh, to study uh, these women that had been struck blind from Cambodia. And so uh, the doctors um, uh, began uh, checking their eyes, and uh, they couldn't find any signs of scarring. Uh, there wasn't anything that was, uh, was detached. Um, in fact, their eyes were responding to light the way normal, healthy eyes would. For all intents and purposes, their eyes were working. And so uh, the doctors were puzzled until they began to listen to the women's stories. Uh, one woman talked about how she had seen um, uh, all of uh, uh, the members of her village that were uh, suspected of being traitors murdered in front of her eyes. And she said, uh, uh, when, uh, when, when they left, uh, she cried for three days straight. And at the end of her crying, she was blind. Another woman talked about um, her husband um, being murdered in front of her eyes. And, uh, and the soldiers uh, told her uh, that her husband was a traitor and uh, that, that she wasn't allowed to cry for him or, 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 or scream out. And if she did, they would kill her too. And so she held these inward screams inside as her husband was murdered. And, and, and she said as, as she held it in, something inside of her broke. And she was blind. One woman talked about um, her and people in her uh, uh, village uh, in her village, um, uh, 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 were, were fleeing and trying to reach a refugee camp. And she heard gunfire behind her. Um, and, 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 and one by one, she heard the sounds of people uh, she knew caught in the gunfire and, and dying behind her as she ran forward. And she says when she reached the camp, she was blind. The technical term for this is functional blindness. And functional blindness is when um, everything's okay with the organs. Um, the eyes are seeing um, exactly the way the eyes are, are, are supposed to be seen. The problem is somewhere between the eyes and the brain. The problem is neurological. That there's something um, for these women. They reached a point where they had seen so much trauma, uh, so much horror, so much uh, 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 that... Uh, that, that, that radically shook them, that there was something in their mind that snapped and said, no more, and turned off their ability to see. Functional blindness. See, there's more than one kind of blindness, isn't there? I think, uh, like the women of Cambodia, many of us at different times in our lives have probably struggled with a spiritual blindness. Now, I pray to God no one in here has gone through anything like those refugees went through. But I, I, I'm willing to bet that, that at different times in our lives, um, uh, uh, we, we saw so many bad things, so many disappointments, so many heartbreaks, so many um, uh, evils rewarded in the world, whatever it is, it's so, so much bad that something inside our heart turned off and we stopped seeing good. There's more than one kind of blindness, isn't there? 
Our passage this evening is about spiritual blindness. It takes place during a time of war. And war in the ancient world is, it was not like it is for us, right? It's not abstract, you know, overseas somewhere. It's not something that, 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 that they sent people to. War was in your front yard, out your front window. It was a terrible, dark, difficult time in Israel. See, there was this Aramean king uh, uh, named Hazael. And, and Hazael uh, decided, uh, that, well, he overthrew um, uh, 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 the king before him in sort of a military coup d'etat and, uh, and decided to, uh, to strike out and make a name for himself. And so, uh, so he tried to be a king sort of in the mold of the Assyrians and, and start himself a little empire. And so he started attacking his neighbors. And one of those neighbors was Israel. And, uh, and, and, and so when it says um, uh, that, that the Arameans were at war with Israel, it means the Arameans were invading Israel and trying to conquer it. And so at the beginning of our passage, there's a little bit of a shell game going on, isn't there? Um, uh, uh, every, time, uh, every time the Aramean army thinks they know uh, where the seat of power is located, where, uh, where the, the Israelite army is, is camping out, they go to the place and they find out that they've just left. This happens two or three times, and then the king decides he has a mole on the inside. He's got a rat who must be feeding uh, the Israelites information. And so he calls all of his advisors together and says, who is it? Who here is on the side of the Israelite king? And someone's probably his hand shaking, raises it and says, says, oh, king, we are all on your side. But you have to understand they have a man named Elisha. Elisha is a prophet, and, and he can see things, and, he, and, and he's telling his kings things that, that you only whisper in your bedroom. And so the king says, where is this Elisha? Uh, tell me where he is, and, 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 and then we'll go get him, right? And so he sends out his spies, and they find out he's staying in a place called Dotham. And the king says, let's not waste any time. Let's not give him time to, to know we're on the way. Um, let's just march through the night and go get him. So they march through the night, and they surround the city. And the plan is simple enough, right? In the morning, um, uh, the, uh, the, 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 they're going to look over the city walls, and they're going to see that they're surrounded. And some messenger is going to say, um, you can hand over the prophet Elisha, and we'll leave, or, uh, or we'll take your city. That's the plan. Now, Elisha's disciple gets up really early in the morning and decides to go for a walk. And he's up on the wall and he looks over the wall and he sees an army has the city surrounded. So he runs and he goes up and wakes up his master and he says, Master, the city is surrounded. Elisha says, don't be afraid. 
those that are with us are more than those who are with them. And then he prays a prayer. He says, Lord, open his eyes so that he can see. Mind you, we're not talking about physical sight, right? Something happens in him spiritually, but, 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 but his perception is open. And it's not quite light out yet. And so, so he, he, he's, he's scanning the sky around him and he sees what looks like twinkling lights sort of, uh, sort of dotting around the sky. And as he focuses his eyes, he realizes that up in the hill are these flaming chariots with angels. You see the picture? There's this army that has surrounded the city, but in the hills around that army is the Lord's army. That army is surrounded. See, there's something, there's something that happens uh, uh, when, when, when you have the, the spiritual vision of things, you know, it looks outwardly like, like the bad is winning. It looks outwardly, you know, out your, your front window and, and over the wall, it looks like evil's got us surrounded. But when your perception is open, you see that God has the bigger number. That the army of the Lord is advancing. Jesus told his disciples, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are full of light, then your entire body will be filled with light. But if your eyes are filled with darkness, then your body will be filled with darkness. Now, that's kind of a weird cryptic saying, isn't it? But you have to realize he's talking about a spiritual sight, right? And he's talking about the way we look at the world. And he's saying, um, um, if your eyes are filled with light, if, if, if you look for the good in the world, then there will be goodness within you. But if you only look for the evil in the world, well, then there'll be evil within you. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are filled with light, then your whole body will be filled with light. If all, if you've got that spiritual blindness, if, 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 if everything you've, you've seen in this world has taught you that the world is just, just this bad, evil place and, and they've got us surrounded, and when you look over the wall, that's all you'll ever see. When you look for the good, you start to see the glory of God all around you. And you know that them, that they who are with us are greater than those who are with us. It's a matter of spiritual sight. I'm excited about this hymn sing that we're going to do. Um, if my mother were here and, uh, and, and we were doing a hymn sing, she would raise her hand and, and, and she, would, uh, she would pick, open my eyes that I may see. 
That is her favorite hymn. And every time we sing it, I think of her. Open my eyes that I may see glimpses of truth thou hast for me. Place in my hands the wonderful key that shall unclasp and set me free. Silently now I wait for thee. Ready, my God, thy will to see. Open my eyes illumined. A couple of months ago, I was at a clergy meeting, and I'm going to be really honest with you, I don't like clergy meetings, because um, when, when I go to a clergy meeting, um, you know, um, there's a lot of clergy there, and, and God bless us, uh, but our whole lot in life is to learn to, to, uh, to, to fill up the air with our words for about 20 minutes once a week, and so we're a verbose lot. And everyone has something to say. And so uh, when you go to a clergy meeting, uh, you know, uh, all someone has to do is, is ask a group a question. And, you know, you're going to be there for another half an hour because everyone has something to say. Um, with a lack of hot air going around, I wouldn't like a match in a clergy meeting. So a, a couple of months ago, I went to a clergy meeting. Um, it, was all of, uh, it was all of the Methodist clergy in the New River District. I wouldn't have gone except that it's required, and we have to do it once a month, and roll is taken. And so I went, and our district superintendent, Kim Goddard, uh, was leading the meeting, and she said, this morning, I want us to talk about our glory sightings. And I thought, what's a glory sighting? And she said, um, I want you to talk about the, the, the times that you have seen uh, God move uh, in the past month since we met. And, uh, and then each time uh, someone says something, all of the rest of us are going to respond by saying, glory. Right? And I thought that was pretty silly, pretty hokey. And, but by the end of it, we got into it. Right? And we started talking about real stuff and real ways that we had seen God move. And, um, and, and it took most of our time. We had a presentation scheduled and had to be kicked to next week because we got carried away with these glory sightings. And Kim told us, when we, now when we meet next month, we're going to do it again. And don't you know, for a whole month, I was, my antenna was up. I was on the lookout for those glory sightings so that I would have something to say when I got to the next clergy meeting. And what a difference. It makes when your eyes are open to finding the glory in the world. Your eyes are full of light, then your whole body will be filled with light. The eye is the lamp of the body. How is your vision this evening? I'm not asking if you can drive after dark. I'm talking about your spiritual vision. How is your vision this evening? Are you focusing on the good? Are you focusing on the glory? Are you focusing on the darkness? Now, you probably noticed when we were flipping through our Bible, I only told you half of that story, right? It continues, and it is a great story. 
See, what happens next? Remember where we left off. Um, uh, the, the city is surrounded, but the army that's surrounding the city is surrounded by the heavenly army. And I know who I would put my money on, right? And so, uh, so Elisha has charge of this heavenly army. And what do you think he does? Well, what would you do? Would you end the war right then and there? Here's what Elisha does. He prays again. Remember, his first prayer was, was open my disciples' eyes so he can see. His next prayer is, Lord, close their eyes so that they're blind. Right? Close the eyes of this army. Blind them. Now, their blindness, this isn't like, this isn't physical blindness. This is a different kind of blindness. It's like they're, they're dazed. They're in a fog. They don't quite know what's happening on. And, and the thing that happens next to me, when I read it, is it, just so silly. It seemed like a Looney Tunes cartoon to me. Elisha steps out and, uh, and talks to the commander of the army and says, Are you looking for, for Elisha, and, and the prophet, in, Goth in Gotham? They said, yeah, yeah, we're looking for Elisha the prophet in Gotham. Oh, well, you're in the wrong place. Gotham is the next town over. Here, I'll show you where to go. And so uh, Elisha leads the army 20 miles to Samaria. Now, I don't know if you remember, Samaria is the capital of Israel. So he leads this army uh, uh, right into Israel's capital, opens the door for them, and suddenly this army is surrounded by the Israelite army. He brings them in the presence of the king and says, okay, Lord, now open their eyes. And suddenly they, you know, uh, are alert to the fact that, 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 that they're surrounded. And the king looks at Elisha and says, what should I do with them? Well, what do you say? What would your solution be? To this problem. Here's what Elisha says. Listen, they know. They know. That you've got them surrounded. They know you've got the number. It wouldn't be fair, frankly. So prepare them a meal. And invite them to your table. Give them a place to stay for the evening and then send them on their way. So the king, to his everlasting credit, does what Elisha says. He prepares a great banquet and invites these soldiers to dine with him at his table. Gives them a place to stay for the evening and then sends them on their way. And after that day, there's a decade of peace as the war resumes. See, when we let the light in, when we let the glory in, when, 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 when the, the, the eyes of our heart are opened, we see other solutions, don't we? See, when all we do is focus on darkness, then, 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 then the world becomes, becomes very stark, right? It, 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 it's, it's 
just light and shadows when you're focusing on the darkness. It, 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 it's good and bad, right and wrong, us and them, left or right. And we can't find any outside-the-box solutions when we're thinking that way, period. But when our eyes are open to God's point of view, we find ways for peace. We find ways for love. We find ways for joy. Because the eye is the lamp of the body, and if you're I is filled with light, then your whole body will be filled with light. There was an old rabbi that was talking to his disciples, and he asked his disciples, when do you know that the, dawn, that the night is over and the dawn has come? When do you know that the night is over and the dawn has come? Well, one of the disciples raised his hand and says, you know, the night is over and the dawn has come when you're, 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 you're standing at your door and uh, you look out onto the hillside and there is enough light that you can tell the difference between a dog and a cow. The rabbi says, no, no, no. Another disciple tries, uh, uh, you know, the night is over and the dawn has come when you're standing at at your door, and there's enough light that you can look out into your yard and you can tell the difference between a fig tree and an olive tree. No, no, that's not it. So the disciples ask, okay, Rabbi, how do you know that, that, that the night is over and the dawn has come? The rabbi says, you know the night is over and the dawn has come. When you're standing at your door, and you look at the person in front of you, you tell the difference between a stranger and a neighbor. That's when the night will finally be over and the dawn will have come. For your eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eyes are filled with light, then your whole body will be filled. you're staring at the hills and you're looking for chariots, you're going to see chariots. If you're looking for glory, then you're going to see glory. If you're walking among strangers looking for friends, then you're going to find some friends. Open our eyes, Lord, so that we can see you. you came here in a daze tonight. Maybe a friend led you by the hand. Open your eyes. The king has invited us to this table. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.